0: Oh boy. Well, this is new. Uh we are doing or I am doing this podcast by myself today. No producer in studio, no guest. We are currently working on a list of guests for the future and the time that it takes to email people and back and forth and figure out dates that actually does not cooperate with trying to get out an episode every week and honestly, I don't like not posting content for you guys, so we had a bye week last week. We've had bye weeks in the past, but I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't just leave you guys hanging for another week, so I was like, "Fuck it, let's uh let's get experimental and try out a podcast where it's just me." So here we are. Uh, this is interesting. I had to curate a whole show by myself. I feel like I am. Tom Hanks and Castaway just sitting here down in the green room by myself but it's actually pretty fun also I feel like I don't know if I could like I said like I don't know if I could keep letting weeks pass by without doing a podcast I obviously created this as a creative outlet and it's very obviously I created this as a creative outlet and like doing a week without a podcast like i could just i felt i felt weird i felt like i needed to go and talk to a microphone or talk to somebody else and obviously i'm not talking to anybody else right now but it's still like it's it's good to get out <laughs> i guess i don't know what i'm talking about dude I got my starbucks today and let me tell you i am not normally a Starbucks type of guy I'm all in for Duncan I started getting into Starbucks when I went to college we had a Starbucks on campus and it was just more convenient to go there before class and drive across the street to go to a Duncan even though you know in Massachusetts there's like two Duncans in every town and they're usually across the road so it was just a little bit more of a convenient uh, location to just go to Starbucks so Went to Starbucks and I was all about that shit. And then I stopped and went back to going to Dunkin' when I came back from college. And now, I kind of save Starbucks for special occasions, I guess you could say. Because I don't really drink Starbucks as much. Uh, I promise you this isn't product placement. I wish Starbucks would send me some money for shouting them out. And let me tell you, like I said, I'm a big Dunkin' guy. Always have been, always will be. But after a while, you need to switch it up. Because honestly, Dunks is just super, it's the same thing. You know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's not coffee, but sometimes you want a change up in the coffee that you're drinking just to realize what you're drinking in the past. And when I do go to Starbucks, so let me tell you, I do go all out and I will go like basic white girl and get some fancy tasting good shit. Honestly this this one today though, this isn't that that fancy. It is a cold brew with salted vermil- a caramel cold brew with some sort of like salted caramel foam on the top. And that, my friends, is not what I get at Dunkin'. I usually just get like a I don't know, a cold brew. I'll always fuck with the cold brew at Dunkin' for sure. I'll get the cold brew and i think i put sometimes i'll put some caramel in it and then i'll leave it just black i don't put any cream or any sugar in it because i feel like that caramel shit already has enough sugar so fuck it but like i said go to starbucks i'm even fancy when i go to starbucks i downloaded the starbucks app and so i had to mobile order that i don't fuck with the Dunkin' mobile order shit you know why because that's not how it is. Dunkin's is like a, a culture. You're, you're a New England person. You got to walk into Dunkin' and be like, what's up? This is what I want. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just more of a, a New England thing to walk in and and order instead of it's the, the mobile order for Dunkin'. Yeah, I know it's COVID and times are changing and all this shit. But guess what? That's that's not what that's not what Duncan's for. Duncan's always for interacting with the other blue collar Americans that you run into when you're walking in there. And Starbucks is uh Starbucks is a different vibe than that, and you can tell when you walk in. So that's why I downloaded the app and I mobile ordered it. And so I'm super basic and fancy today. And guess what? I don't give a fuck what you say. It's funny, though, because I honestly have been cutting coffee out of my diet lately. Um, I think it's more of like, does anyone else out there feel like they've gone through quarantine and you tried to exercise a little bit, but then you never really did? And you didn't get into like a really good full routine? Because let's be honest here, going to the gym is completely different than exercising at home. If I had a gym membership and gyms were open throughout quarantine, I could easily go to the gym and just, I don't know, bang out like three or four lifting sessions or just getting in shape at the gym three or four times a week. Being at home, I feel like you got like max, unless you have like a full-on... You feel like you need that full on equipment at home. But unless you have that shit at home, excuse me, unless you have that shit at home, you probably have like max, I don't know, a week and a half before you're like, fuck this shit. So it's it's weird. I have realized after how many months of quarantine we've been in that I haven't been getting in shape as much as I should be. So I started going on runs. I have definitely gained weight from being at college for four years, just eating the food. And then when you get to go to the bars, it's, you just, you're drinking, you're drinking, you're having fun with your friends. You don't realize how much you're drinking because it's just such a social thing. And then you just gain pounds like that. And the worst part is this year graduate and it's not like a regular time in your life because half my senior year is cut off by COVID. And then here we are no gyms it's weird so you get lazy you put in the covid 19 pounds on top of the i don't even know how many pounds you gain in college it's messed up so after all those years college getting fat from drinking all the carbs the dining hall food the fast food you come home it's covid season you can't go to gyms you got to work out your home but because you got uh crappy home gym. You don't have the ambition. And then here we are. And it's October 2020. It's the fall of 2020, and you're feeling lazy, you're feeling out of shape. So I told myself, I said, "Get up. You got to do something. I can't do this anymore." I started cutting coffee out of my diet, started cutting shit that I didn't need in my diet, like I I stopped drinking um on the weekends a lot more. I probably don't all that stuff. I just I I started realizing that I needed to be healthier. And so I started going on runs. And the neighborhood that I live in right now has a lot of hills. So I was starting to do like hill sprints. Thinking, listening to Joe Rogan podcasts. And he's like, you got to conquer your inner bitch. Like all this shit, all this determination. So the first day I was like, yeah, I'm going to conquer my inner bitch. And I started sprinting hills. I got, I went up and down three hills and I was literally bent over on my knees and I thought I was going to pass out or throw up. And you know what? You know when they're like, it feels so good after you get through all that pain and you're sitting there and you're like, I can't give any more. I was sitting there and I was literally hyperventilating because I was so out of shape and I was so fat. I couldn't, or not fat, but just out of shape. I was so out of shape. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to throw up wasn't good but then I started going on runs constantly and it is nice Um, my muscles weren't ready for it because I definitely cramped up with fall weather now kind of glooming over the rest of the year into the winter weather I kind of stopped going for runs and since it's been rainy like every week it seems like there's one or two days where it's rainy in the weekday and it's like what the hell And then it's getting darker out. I didn't feel like going for runs outside. I didn't feel like getting hit by cars, etc. Honestly, I just got lazy again. And then I found out that um, on our TV downstairs, my parents pay for like exercise, cardio. I don't know what it's actually called, but it's kind of like P90X. And I started doing those. And let me tell you, You guys would be like, ha-ha, that's funny, Chase. Who the fuck does those? Those things kick my ass. They do. I did like a – I've done probably three 25-minute cardio exercises, just like whatever it is, videos. You watch these videos, and it's like the Peloton bikes where you're on a Peloton bike and an instructor is telling you what to do. It's like a cardio instructor is telling you what to do, and it's a lot of just – in place cardio stuff but it's dude it kicked my ass i literally thought i pulled a hammy the first day i did it because i was so out of shape i thought i was in shape from running like two miles every day and then you get into this stuff and it's a whole nother level of intensity you're like what the hell and listen i'll i'll be upfront and honest uh i looked like a complete fucking idiot (laughs) doing these things downstairs because I wasn't like coordinated to do it it's like side lunge and then hop up and side lunge to the other side then hop up and side lunge and then it's like jump squats and then it's like high knees and all this stuff and some of the stuff I was uncoordinated to do I don't know if it's because I out of shape or just the first time so like you kind of feel like an idiot doing it at first but Every time I do it, like on the Apple Watch, when I record it, I'm burning like 400 calories and I'm leaving there dripping sweat and it's it's honestly worth it. So if you guys, I have a suggestion, if you don't have a home gym and you want to get in shape, these things are pretty good. I've been doing it for probably about two weeks now and I'm sure you could just find like YouTube videos of the same thing for free and it'll get you into shape. And you just kind of got to suck up the part that you might look like a fool in your living room. But I usually, when I get home from work, I'll do it and no one's home from work yet. And I'm just down in the basement and I'm watching this thing on the TV, but I'm burning. Um, it hurts. I leave that whole session and I walk away. And like when I'm getting ready to go in the shower after, like my legs hurt. I have to stretch out. I feel like I'm pulling. I feel like an old man. I'm only 23 years old and I feel like i pulled muscles. It's fucked up, but it's definitely a good way to get in shape. I'll say that. You know what's not good is the Starbucks. Back to the Starbucks, dude. The Starbucks coffee is very tasty. There are definitely a lot of calories in it. This beautiful tasting drink, this beautiful tasting coffee it, uh, it's good, but I'm pretty sure it has a lot of calories in it. It's not good. Everything that is, tastes so good is never good for you. Why is it that way? I will say another thing on Starbucks is <clears throat> for a while I was pissed at them because I always thought the invention of when they did sippy lids was pretty cool. And then they're like, we're going to save the turtles. We're not going to have straws. Remember the whole thing where everyone's like, save the turtles. All this shit about, I mean, you you can't, you got to cut the, I don't even know what those plastic things are called that you get six packs of beers in anymore. All I know is I call them like turtle chokers. And you know, you got to cut those things so that if you throw them away, they don't end up in the ocean and turtles don't wear them as a choker and kill themselves. So. Starbucks went through this whole thing. We're like, we're eliminating straws. We're going to be a progressive and we're not going to have straws. We're going to do these sippy lids. So I was like, that's a cool idea. I don't know why, but I thought it was a cool idea. So I went to like a Starbucks and I was like, hey, do you guys have those lids? I want to save the turtles. And you know what they told me? They said, no, we don't have those. I'm sorry. We have these plastic or these paper straws though. And I'm like, dude, what the hell? You can't advertise you're going to save the turtles by doing these lids and then not do it. I don't know if anything backfired on them or whatever, but I was ready for one of them sippy lids. And you know what? That might sound childish, but fuck it. I was ready for one of those sippy lids. I was. I wanted a new... I I enjoy the sippy lid for the hot coffee. And I thought it would be nice for an iced coffee. And so... I was kinda pissed. I went to multiple Starbucks looking for these lids and they didn't have them. And I wanted to get in on the basic trend of having a damn sippy lid with my iced coffee. Finally. Well, not finally. So, this was back before COVID struck. This was probably back in February when it was coming over into the country. And I decided when I went out to Seattle, um, I went out to Seattle back then. And since I was in Seattle, I was like, this is the home of Starbucks. If they're not true to their word about sippy lids and Starbucks in Seattle, this is all a lie. It's all a damn lie. And guess what? I didn't go to the original Starbucks while I was there. I haven't been there. I haven't been there actually at all. And I've been to Seattle probably three or four times. But there's always such a large line there. I did find a Starbucks in Seattle. And I got a coffee there. And they didn't have the sippy lids. I gave up. I gave up. There's no way that you can have this big corporate message... And you're trying to make people come buy your products and be like, hey, we're doing this big environmental thing where we're not having sippy lids or we're not having straws so we can have sippy lids and we're saving the turtles and all this stuff. And you know what? I went to Seattle and no. Finally, when I was leaving, I went to a Starbucks in the airport and uh, I finally got a sippy lid. But I asked for one thing, they gave me something else, and I was like, whatever, I'll just take the sippy lid, doesn't matter, that's what I was here for, I wasn't really here for the drink, I guess, I was here just for the sippy lid, whatever it is, Who, who do you think you are, I am, didn't matter, I got my sippy lid, but the moral of the story is, I don't know. I don't know what the moral of the story is. That was my first world problem for you guys to listen to for the last like 15 minutes. Well, now to segue into the next thing. Since spooky season is upon us and we are in the middle of October, I thought that I would embrace Halloween this year because, and I have to give the shout out to uh, my good friend Dylan because he's the reason actually him and his girlfriend Morgan are the reason why I decided to embrace Halloween because a couple of weeks ago we ended up carving pumpkins because she wanted to she was like hey let's carve pumpkins and i was like all right cool and while we we're doing that it was fun this was like the first year that i carved pumpkins and had fun like had fun with my friends in a while and it's weird because everything going on you know you can't really it, it doesn't seem the same this year some I think some uh, towns have canceled Halloween and maybe they've restricted it and all this stuff and you know it's just the COVID social distancing thing. It doesn't feel the same this year, but carving pumpkins, drinking beer with my friends, watching football on a Sunday, all that stuff. It was great, and one of my friend Dylan who has demised Halloween. I think because dressing up all through college for different parties that you have to go to and dress up to this year it was inspiring when he was like you know what we're carving pumpkins i think i'm gonna embrace halloween this year so hearing that from someone who isn't a big hallow someone who isn't big into celebrating halloween helped me realize that you know what even though covid's going on this year i should embrace halloween and then I went home and I realized that AMC on cable um, is running the whole Fright Fest or Fear Fest or whatever their Halloween or horror movie marathon is that they do all all month. And it kind of made me realize that I was like, dude, I fucking love scary movies. Like they're re- if, it, it's, if it's a good scary movie... It's it's a great movie. Some movies are crappy, scary movies like probably any of the Saws past Saw three or Saw three and on are all just super gory. It's not even scary, but stuff like that. Scary movies are awesome, and it made me realize that I forgot I took a class as an elective my senior year on horror film, and I had to write papers on various stuff. So I was like, screw it. Let's add a segment about scary movies into this uh, solo podcast that I'm doing and I'll get to talk to you guys all about them. I mean, I'm not an expert on it. I took one class, I guess in 2020 nowadays, if I still had Twitter, I would be an expert on it because I took one class in college on it. And I could give you guys all my opinions and tell everyone that my opinion's right. But all this stuff is all in my opinion. I've watched a lot of movies. I'm a big I love watching movies. That's what I would say is one of my favorite things to do is to watch movies. So I'm going to run through some scary movies. I'm going to take you through some movies that I enjoy watching during the spooky season or even outside of them. They're horror films. You might not like them. You might whatever. They're just suggestions. So I'll give you my opinions on them and they're my top. Uh, movies for the different... I'm going to go through the sub-genres. So we have, for some, subgenres of horror. You have like the Haunted House or the Supernatural. And then you have the Slasher films. And you have the Monster films. Then you have the Zombie films and the Torture Porn or Body Gore or whatever you want to call it. Which is like your saws or the ones that are just ridiculously gory and you don't know why they are but that's the way they make them i don't know if uh people want to call it torture porn anymore because it's you know it's 2020 i don't know if that's safe to say around the children at home but that's the way i that's how we were kind of taught in my class is they're called torture porn or gore so going through that I'm going to hit some of the sub-genres of horror film, maybe suggest some movies for you guys to watch during this time, and maybe even in the future. Um, okay, to start this off, we're going to talk about what I believe is the scariest movie to me that really made me like jump, and kind of freaked me out afterwards, like, still... Movies, I've watched so many scary movies to the point where I'm kind of numb to it. Like, you can get me on the jump scare still. That happens all the time. Like, it does. If you're sitting at home being like, scary movies don't scare me. That's fine. Maybe they don't. But you can't lie. When there's a good jump scare in a movie, like, it still gets the adrenaline going. And so this movie, in particular, is probably one of the more creepier scarier movies i guess you could say that i've seen in the past decade and um actually just watched a show on it the other day on haunted house films eli roth who is a director if you don't know him he's directed stuff like Hostel. he's also been in movies like inglorious bastards um I enjoy some of his horror, but he really likes horror. That's kind of his thing. And so he runs a show on AMC. I think it's like the history of horror. And I watched one of the episodes and was talking about haunted houses. And they went over uh, a movie, which, like I said, I believe this is one of the scary movies. It's called Sinister. It came out in 2012, and it's a horror mystery thriller. It's about an hour and 50 minutes. And it's honestly pretty fucking creepy. And I should say, before we continue, I'm going to give you a little bit of spoiler alerts. I'm going to suggest these movies for you, but I'm also not going to completely give up what happens. But there will be some spoilers. So just be careful when you're listening to this. I'm not going to give away the whole ending of different movies or big massive plot points but there is going to be a little bit of spoiler so that i can describe the movies a little better for you guys in case you want to watch them so back to sinister here is the synopsis um A washed-up true crime writer, Ellison Oswald, finds a box of Super 8 home movies in his new home that suggests that the murder that he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer whose work dates back to the 1960s. See, in that synopsis, if I just gave you that, you wouldn't think it was that creepy. But it's a fucked-up movie because you think that it's gonna be like a serial killer from hearing that you're like oh a serial killer but really it's like kind of a haunted house supernatural type thing the main character in the movie is ellison Oswald, played by ethan hawk and he absolutely i guess i could say murdered this po- um, this role he was great he he really did well with the movie it was awesome and basically he is a like they say a true crime writer. He decides to move his family into a house without telling them that the house before was where a family, a whole family was murdered and the youngest kid was kidnapped or disappeared from. So he moves himself and his family into this new house In order to kind of feel the vibe, I guess, of the, I don't know, the house and where all this happened. So it could give him some inspiration to make another book and make more money. And when he finds these films, he starts watching them and they're super fucked up. And they're like labeled like these various things like pool party or like, um, I don't know, like Sunday at the lake or some like backyard barbecue or lawnmower, like all this shit, and it's weird. So he decides to set up the camera, put the reels in, watch the movies, and as he's doing this, they're basically like snuff films of the families, of these families. And they're fucked up. There's like different ones for the different names on the cameras, but the way that they portrayed is super fucked up and he starts to uncover this mystery I guess you could say that there's one thing linking all these films together and it's this wicked creepy figure and he starts to unravel the mystery of this supernatural demonic entity named Bagul and Honestly, it kind of gives me like the chills, like the the way that they the way the cinematography brings you through the movie and the way Ethan Hawke acts in it, as well as um, the music and how the movie was scored. It it definitely is super creepy. Uh, I would probably rate it a seven on IMDb where we're going to get most of our information on today. Shout out IMDb. Uh, it's rated a 6.8 out of 10 stars, which is pretty good for a horror film. Most horror films, I feel like, unless they're really good, get anywhere between like six and six and a half stars. So I would def- definitely recommend watching Sinister. It's fucked up. It can get gory. The ending is really good. It freaked me out when I watched it. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, I should probably watch it again. It came out in 2012, so it's really not that old. And like I said, this would probably, I would label this for the Haunted House movie. You can also label it as Supernatural. But Haunted House, Supernatural, whatever you want, I would go for Sinister. It's fucking creepy. Next up on the list, we have The Ring. We're going to go through this. I call this Supernatural um, I mean, I, I guess, no, I would say it's probably just supernatural. I don't know what else you could say. It's not haunted house at all because it's whatever it is, but the ring came out in 2002. It's a horror mystery. It is an hour and 55 minutes long. And I watched this movie when I was, I mean, that's 2002. I probably saw it in like 2004 or 2003. So I was Maybe six or seven when I saw this, and it completely fucked up my childhood. I could, I was honestly scared of this movie for so long because of watching it at such a young age. It used to freak me out. Like, literally, the heebie jeebies all throughout until probably like middle school. I was like screwed up. So, the synopsis of the movie is a journalist must investigate a mysterious videotape which seems to. Cause the death of anyone one week to the day after they view it like i said spoiler alert i guess you could say but i'm not going to give away big parts of it and how it ends and all this stuff but like i'm definitely going to give you a little bit better of a review than just that so the ring is based off a a novel made by uh koji suzuki which is i think called just ring. So there you go. And like I said, it freaked me the fuck out for so long. Uh, the stars is Naomi Watts and Martin Henderson. I don't know what Martin Henderson's in, but, uh, Naomi Watts is a more famous actress. Yeah. Uh, It's fucking creepy. It starts out, the movie starts out with these two girls that watch a videotape that is known to be cursed and that seven days after watching the film, all these people mysteriously, like, die. Now, this is 2002. So this movie works perfectly because think about VHS tapes and if it's not a VHS, which it is in the movie, if it's not a VHS tape, you move a little bit in the future you got like cds and then you got blu-rays and all this stuff but this movie works perfectly for 2002 i guess the vhs tape thing is a little outdated because i don't think you can really find those anywhere unless you go to like a thrift store uh but that being said it's creepy in the movie when you watch it you get this phone call that says you got like seven days to live and um, it freaks you out because, the like, the tape shows some fucked up weird images of these uh, weird pictures. And it's just, like, one of those movies where it's, like, visually freaky. The music is really good. Naomi Watts is really good in it. It's, like... That's basically what you have to have. It's like the perfect formula after we just explained this is a second movie. But just talking about two movies and horror. It's like the perfect formula you need for uh, a scary movie nowadays. Is One really good actor or actress that can really sell the movie. You need to visually be freaked out. In this case, you have the videotape that you watch in sinister you have those super eight home movies that you watch and then the scoring of the movie with the music that really freaks you out perfect this one's creepy she has to figure out all this crazy shit that goes on with this movie after she watches it she's like fuck i don't want to die and she goes through this stuff i think uh she has a kid and at one point her kid kind of watches the tape and um i think at that point she's like well now i really got to kick it into gear because i don't want my kid to die honestly that could be the second one or that could be in this one don't listen to me i'm an idiot but i believe that happens i haven't seen this movie in a while but i will say on imdb shout out imdb it is 7.1 out of 10 stars which is an excellent 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 rating for a horror movie i definitely suggest it. It's freaky. I will say that it doesn't. It'll make you never want to stand in front of a TV that has static going on, even though you never really see that anymore, because that's also kind of outdated with technology. But maybe if they made another Ring movie where it was like some fucked up supernatural shit would go on if there was... uh, The no input picture up on your TV, HDMI not receiving any signal. And you see that, and people start getting freaked out about that. But that I would say, and I would suggest, as a good, another good movie to listen to, or another good movie to watch during spooky season. Next, we are moving on to psychological horror. So these can be. Very tricky, and I have more than one, and we're going to have to go through them a little bit faster, since there's more than one. And I know you guys are probably getting sick of me talking to myself here, but psychological horror. They're probably most likely going to be more thrillers than horror movie, but sometimes these movies get categorized as like, I don't know, they get categorized as horror. So first one, first one up, very recent, Get Out, 2017, it's an hour and 44 minutes long, it's a horror mystery thriller, Um, the synopsis, I'm sure you guys have seen Get Out, but it's definitely a great spooky season movie, especially with everything going on in this country right now, with all the social issues and everything, Um, Jordan Peele did an absolute hell of a job making this and directing this movie um it was it was stunning I went and saw this movie by myself it was perfect to see um it creeped me out it's good there's some good jump scares but I think it's perfect especially for this year where there's so many issues going on in this country about race and all this stuff it's it's all it's almost like it's fitting to watch this movie it's kind of fucked up to say but it it is. It makes you feel like Jordan Jordan Peele knew exactly what was going on and could translate that into a thriller but also draw the attention to where he puts it into a movie. You know, it's I think it's very creative of him to be able to take like the social issues that are going on in this country even though this was 2 3 years ago obviously now it's been brought to light with the internet and a lot of videos that have been going viral but to have that creative ability to kind of almost put his message out but through film is honestly genius and shout out jordan peele for being able to do that the synopsis of get out is a young african-american visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. If you haven't seen Get Out by now, I feel like you're definitely living under a rock, because it's a really good movie. Um, The star is Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Catherine Keener is in it. Bradley Whitford is, is in it. And Allison Williams is in it. Everyone really hits their mark in this movie it's great you also have caleb landry jones this is when i'm naming off these people for you guys this is for the movie nuts if you guys know who these people are i know who these people are but i don't have enough time to go through each character and each person so i'm just naming out people who know actors i know there's some people out there that know this stuff and you also have uh waketh stanfield who is in the um various movies like Sorry for Bothering You, I'm pretty sure it's called. And then also he is in Knives Out. He's really good. I think he is like one of the next up-and-coming actors. Uh, If you ever have some time, definitely check out uh, Lakeith Stanfield for sure. So for IMDb, it gives it a a 7.5 out of 10 stars. That is perfect for this movie. I would honestly give it an 8. I'd probably give it an 8.1 I feel like it's definitely had its time for critics to do all this shit but the cinematography when you watch it you can go back and watch it again and you start to see these little pieces from the beginning which attribute to how it ends and just everything leading up to it you start to really see like these small little details and the different plots going on and it's an amazing movie so definitely go watch it it's a great it's great for watching during spooky season especially with everything going on during today in the united states i feel like it's uh, almost a perfect movie to watch and like i said i'll shout out jordan peele again great job with this movie i couldn't um i feel like i can't say enough about it The next psychological thriller or psychological horror movie, though, is The Shining. Now, this movie is labeled as a drama horror. This one is a little longer. This is probably one of the longer movies on this list. It is two hours and 26 minutes. It was made in 1980. Which is weird. I thought it was made in the 70s. I must be I must be fucked up. Uh, directed by the famous Stanley Kubrick, the synopsis of the movie is, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from the past and the future. It is a adaptation of the Stephen King um, novel, The Shining. And it stars Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and Scatman Crothers. Scatman, R.I.P. Scatman, also... Scatman didn't deserve this movie. What happens to him in this movie, he didn't deserve it. This one is a really good one. This is also pretty perfect for what's going on in um, the world today. Because we're all quarantined. Basically, this family travels up to watch a massive uh, hotel lodge up in the mountains for the winter. The father, Jack Nicholson, takes on the job of watching the uh, hotel over the winter while no one is there. Which is weird because like, it kind of looks like it would be a ski resort because it's up in the mountain. But then again, who knows? This is just how the movie was written. Whatever. So he overlooks it during the wintertime. The whole family has to go with him. And they slowly are just stuck with each other for so long. And he starts to lose his mind. And some kind of freaky shit is going on. Some supernatural stuff. So I guess you could put this in supernatural or haunted house too. But it's honestly I believe it's kind of a psychological thriller. because Or a psychological horror movie. Because they fuck up. It's, it's freaky. It's freaky for sure. Jack Torrance you know. One of the more creepier characters in horror film history. The whole movie is watching this dude break down mentally. And it's almost creepily fitting for the time that we live in right now. Where we're all stuck inside with our family during quarantine. And it can just show you how psychologically you can break down Especially when you're just stuck in quarantine or stuck, like, getting cabin fever wherever you are. So, definitely check out The Shining. Probably one of the better movies ever made by Kubrick. He's made a bunch of them. But, probably, I'd probably say my favorite of his. It is an 8.4 out of 10 stars. <clears throat> there you have it. Next one. We're gonna run through these real quick here. So we can get on to the next subgenre. The Silence of the Lambs. Oh shit, dude. I I will I lied to you. Because guess what? Uh, the Silence of the Lambs is actually rated better than any of the movies we have gone through yet. So I will wait to give that to you after. But this one's also kind of like a psychological horror. I think it is because it's kind of like a crime thriller. But it's also, I guess, horror. Like when you think of Hannibal Lecter, you think of scary movies. (sighs) Ooh, that voice crack, though. You would think at 23 years old, your voice wouldn't crack. Here I am, still going through puberty at 23 years old. Shout out hormones. Shout out puberty. Late bloomers. Okay, so The Silence of the Lambs was made in 1991. It is an hour and 58 minutes long. Here's the synopsis of the film. A young FBI cadet must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. Yeah. We have a pretty good lineup for your main characters here obviously you have Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling and Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter great movie um it's kind of creep I mean it's it's definitely scary that's why I'd put it as a psychological thriller but it's not like super 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 ghost it's not it's not supernatural it's not any of the what you would really count as regular um what you would call as like regular horror movies but it's a good one it's a good one to sit down and watch say like a friday night you don't have any plans you're gonna sit inside it's on netflix right now i know that it's a great one but it's just it's psychological because she she's an fbi agent she's trying to find another serial killer um this is back i think it's supposed to be Um, A little before, I don't know when the movie's portrayed at, but I don't think it is 1991. I think it's back. It's supposed to be back in like the 70s or 80s or something. Don't quote me on that. So like this was back when they were still trying to, the FBI was still trying to make profiles, I'm pretty sure, um, for basically serial killers and how to identify serial killers and how to stop them um and so it's really cool she has to basically get help from an old serial killer hannibal Lecter, as he's locked up and it's perfect because the dialogue in this film is great you really got to like listen to it and everything's great um and i think i would just say all around great movie yeah the movie it's the movie is just a great psychological thriller the young FBI agent who is Clary Starling is put on the case during these times which is honestly um, it's kind of like a I guess you could say a progressive movie at this point because this is supposed to be back during like I said don't don't uh, quote me on when it is but It's supposed to be back a little bit in the past. It's I don't think, I believe it's not in 1991, even though it came out there. And it's like a young woman, FBI cadet, and they give her like this big top job. So she's going through FBI training with, there's not a lot of other women. She's kind of just by herself. She's kind of like this smaller woman, but she's like mentally strong and she gets through the training and you can definitely see like, they portray it in the movie as like a lot of more masculine guys around her don't believe that she can get the job done, but she does. And she has to talk to Hannibal Lecter, who is an old killer, an old serial killer, and also a psychiatrist and doctor. And he helps her figure out how to catch Buffalo Bill, who is the serial killer going around at the time. Great movie. Great one-liners in this, obviously. I'm sure you have heard some of them. Just Clarice, or It Puts the Lotion in the Basket, <laughs> um, or else It Gets the Hose Again. Yes, that one. For some reason makes me laugh, but that's my fucked up mind. Anyways, great movie, and it is rated... stars out of 10 so it is a great film that is on imdb i like to watch i like to like i said use imdb as ratings for stuff so definitely check out silence of the lambs now we are on to sci-fi monster that is the next sub genre that we're gonna go to some of these movies might be a little older than you would like to, but you know what? These movies are still great, even though they're a little aged. Here we have, for sci-fi... For sci-fi monster, we have, which you can split up. There's sci-fi horror, and there's also monster horror. These are subgenres, like I said. This one's both. Okay? The Thing... Made in 1982, is an hour and 49 minutes. It's a horror, mystery, sci-fi. There you go. And the synopsis is, A research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. Awesome. Well, you know what they say about assume. It makes an ass out of you and me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't help but just be a bag sometimes (laughs) okay so it was directed by john carpenter who is obviously a famous horror director he's made various movies such as halloween escape from new york um, and he's also created the thing those are some of his more famous movies we have a great lineup of characters here kurt russell is mcgreedy tk carter Keith David, um, Wilford Brimley. These are all like I said for people that know various actors, but great, great movie. I actually wrote my final paper on the uh, on the thing in my class for horror film, and it. Basically, I had to describe the different parts of how it fit into um, one of the types of horror there is. And also, it's, it's interesting because this came out in 1982. And during the movie, um, they find out that the shape-shifting monster does not like heat or fire. So basically, what happens in the movie is if the thing attaches itself to you or gets you, it can perfectly replicate you. So these guys are all stuck in Antarctica with this shape shifting monster that can perfectly shape shift into what you would think is your friend or another human. And at one part, they have to, they try to test to figure out who is. The false or who's the imposter and they all do they all draw blood and they do um blood tests to see who's that's a really who's like the thing they all do blood they do blood tests to see who's the monster and who's not i'm not going to give away what happens but it's interesting because this movie some people can say that it actually um has a correlation with the HIV and AIDS spread that was going on during this time in history and so a lot of people were paranoid of who was infected with it and how they were going to get it or if they were going to get it and there was a lot of paranoia going on in the country with this kind of health epidemic I want to believe that's the right word for it and so the thing kind of can correlate to that which i found pretty cool after i researched a little bit of it but this movie's great it's awesome it leaves you with a cliffhanger um you can i don't want to spoil the movie but the ending is awesome definitely a great cliffhanger leaves you questioning what's real and what's not real and all this stuff so i would say go watch the thing great movie uh Here we have an IMDb rating of 8.1 out of 2 stars. So there you have it. Awesome. Awesome movie. Awesome horror movie for spooky season. Next we're going to do monster movie. Yeah, just straight up monster movie. And what we have for it is Cabin in the Woods. Now this movie is perfect. We kind of went over it in the film class that I took. And it's just... It's funny because it hits on all the different elements of horror and the different, like, tropes that you have going through the, like, the different things in a horror movie that make horror movies and how people have followed this formula of horror and it hits all of them. The Cabin in the Woods is almost like, it's not like a, like, you know, a documentary, right? And then you have a mockumentary. But with Cabin in the Woods, it's like a movie that mocks all horror, but it's still really good because it's kind of like you, like the movie's like, you know what's going to happen. And you're like, yeah, I know what's going to happen, but this is still really good. So it kind of just like makes fun of and hits all of the different tropes of horror. Um, it was made in 2011. It's an hour and 35 minutes long. It is just labeled as a horror. And it is... Five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. It's perfect. You know, you have the various elements of horror. The college kids go out for a weekend getaway to a cabin in the woods, and they unleash this evil shit going on. They release this evil entity. And then you know you have all the tropes of the the stoner, the scholar, the jock, the virgin and the promiscuous woman and it's just it's perfect. It it literally the best way I could say is to truly understand the elements of horror and the formula of what makes has made horror movies over the last probably I would say 40 years watching cabin in the woods is perfect. You think it's going one way and then all of a sudden it takes you on a complete twist through a bunch of shit and it's a great movie. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's creepy, but it's also kind of funny. Um, And like I said, the the movie is very self-aware of what it's trying to, show you and i would suggest it as one of the better horror movies that is kind of uh a little comedic but also really serious so definitely check out cabin in the woods it has a seven out of ten star rating on imdb so there you go great great movie to check out now we are on to supernatural horror um Sorry, I've been talking for so long. I know you guys must be so sick of me talking to myself. It's funny. I purposely made this podcast so that I could talk to other people. But I kind of like talking by myself. It's a little weird talking by yourself, but you know what? It's okay. We we'll all will get through it. No, I just, you know, I know some of you guys listen to this to hear interviews or just casual conversation, but we're adapting that's what 20 <sighs> but we're adapting that's what 2020 is all about is adaptation so on some weeks we might just throw in a a solo chase episode or a chase alone and we'll see how it goes and I'm, if you guys don't like it whatever but i hope you guys are enjoying the different movie suggestions i have up to this point for you guys i know i thought of it i was like you know what i'm a movie guy Let's throw these out there for people who don't really know movies but want to watch some scary movies during this period. And here we are. So for Supernatural, we have The Autopsy of Jane Doe. It was made in 2016 and it is an hour and 26 minutes long. It is a horror mystery thriller. And it the synopsis of the movie is a father and son, both coroners. Are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who is apparently harboring dark secrets. So, the movie, uh the actors in the movie or act the. So the lineup that we have for the characters are Tommy and Austin, who are the father and son, who are both um, morticians or coroners. Like they, like I said. It is Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch, two better known, I would say, like, probably B-list or a B list I would say, actors. And they get this mysterious woman comes in who's dead, and they get her body. And it's interesting because I feel like it can really resonate with the New England crowd since I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in New England During the course of the movie, I'm pretty sure there's a Nor'easter that hits. And it locks them into the house with the dead body. And they have to kind of unravel this mystery of going on. And there's some interesting stuff that goes on. And I don't know. It's supernatural, definitely. Um, They uncover some weird secrets about this woman. This body, this Jane Doe cadaver that, that has been brought to them. And um, it's interesting because some of it gets tied into uh, like witchcraft and they, they give a little bit of a nod to the Salem Witch Trials, which is pretty cool. I've always found that cool. Actually, for those of you who don't know, interesting fact about Chase. I am actually a descendant of a woman that was killed during the Salem Witch Trials. Yes, some generations ago, a woman named Rebecca Nurse is a descendant of me, if that's the right way to put it. But Or I'm a descendant of her. I don't know. I'm not smart, guys. Don't think because I have a podcast I'm smart and I know what I'm doing. I don't. I'm like any other average human. I'm a moron. But, yes, I am related to a woman that was killed during the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, for being believed to partake be partaking in witchcraft it's kind of a sad story if you look her up she was uh an uh, older woman with um a family and kids and she was actually accused of witchcraft and killed but hey my family's been around long enough for uh Us to be a part of the Salem Witch Trials, which is pretty cool. You can actually go. They have her house as a museum. I'm pretty sure somewhere in Massachusetts. And if you want to look up any more information, go look up Rebecca Nurse. Because she was like my ninth great-grandmother or something like that. So shout out Rebecca Nurse. (laughs) And shout out the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, back to the movie. This is a good movie. Like I said, shout out! it shouts out to the Salem Witch Trials. It's a good one. It's a quick horror movie. Um, the rating is 6.8 stars out of 10. So once again, we're staying above 6.5 stars, people. This is awesome. Yes, so that is for Supernatural. One more Supernatural one we'll throw in because I feel like we have to. And I know you guys have probably all seen this movie, but... Uh, Another supernatural horror movie that I decided to put in here. I know I was supposed to limit it to one per thing, but then I said, you know what? Why do I have to limit to one per thing? This is my show. I'm going to tell you guys or give you guys some good suggestions on horror films. Obviously, most of us, I'm pretty sure, have seen the movie Insidious at this point, but it was made in 2010, it is an hour and 43 minutes long, and it is a horror mystery thriller. The synopsis is, a family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called The Further. Great movie, um, great lineup of characters. James Wan, who created the Saws, and has created Other, or he created Saw, and Other other movies uh perfect he, he i'm pretty sure i want to say he directed the conjuring he kind of made this whole um yeah he's kind of made like the whole or he produced the conjuring he's kind of made this whole like conjuring universe slash insidious universe uh he's really good with horror um he made the he he's been making the conjuring movies and producing them the Ed and Lorraine Warren universe of crazy supernatural shit that goes on. Those are his films. But Insidious was awesome. It freaked me out, definitely. We have a uh, great cast going on. You got Patrick Wilson and uh, Rose Byrne, I want to say. That's how I'm going to say it. And I'm sorry, Rose, but... Uh, obviously, their family and their kid uh, basically is able to, like, go to another place while he's sleeping. Um, I won't give away too much, but it's... He's able to go to another place while he's sleeping, and there's some creepy shit going on because it's like another dimension man and there's all these demons and ghosts man and they're like freaking out the people in the house and like the mom can't take that shit anymore and they gotta figure it out and so that's what the movie's about and it's freaky it's got a lot of jump scares in it that really hit good The music is good. This is probably like one of the first scary movies that I I remember. That really, I feel like they use James Wan is good at who he picks to have them score the film because they really use that like screeching on like a string instrument, like a violin or whatever the string is. They really use that like screeching, like the like the I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's really well made with the how it's filmed. James Wan is a great director. How the music plays into it, great. Good job, James Wan. You made it on my, you made it on the cut to the chase list of horror movies you should watch in 2020. Next, we're going to go to, oh shit, I forgot to give you the rating. It's a 6.8 out of 10 stars, so it is a good horror film. We are, like I said, above the 6.5 mark again. Shout out James Wan, shout out Insidious. Nice. Let's move on. Now, we are on to zombie horror, which is the next one. And everyone's going to be like, oh, um, what should we watch for that? Mm. Well, I'll give you a movie. This one is going to be uh, random, but I really enjoyed it. And it is called Overlord. It is made in 2018 and it is an action adventure horror. It is an hour and 50 minutes long. I really enjoyed this movie. I saw trailers for it when it came out and then completely forgot about it and then found it on Hulu one day and was like, "Oh, dude, I remember seeing this and I remember I wanted to see it." So then I turned it on and it was. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, the synopsis is a small group of American soldiers find horror behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. So basically, there's a little bit of history involved here. goes back to the D-Day invasion, and um, these soldiers are dropped behind enemy lines to do some sort of mission right before D-Day happens, the eve of D-Day, and they come across basically in France they come across this German facility this Nazi facility that does experimental shit and they're trying to figure out how to make a super soldier but it's really morphing these people into fucked up creatures and it's really like spooky and freaky and just weird and it's Like these zombies and it's a really good movie. It mixes a little bit of historical military drama into fictional horror zombie movie. It's a perfect blend. Um, I thought they did really well with it. The cast list, I didn't really know many people. Uh, Wyatt Russell was probably the most... um, notable guy he's kind of like in this movie he's kind of like oh yeah like i've seen that guy before but i don't know what he's in like he's just you, you you'll know him when you see him but other than that um it was a really good movie uh i don't want to give anything away other than just like i said obviously some freaky shit going on with the nazis experimenting on how to create a super soldier and it's it's great that's a great movie um, a good zombie movie. Underrated for sure. And we have a 6.6 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Once again, we're staying above that 6.5 line, guys. Very close, but we're above it. And on we go to The Torture Born. Yes. I'm going to say that with ASMR because... We're probably going to get cancelled for saying torture porn. Because one. Torturing hurts people's feelings. And also hurts people. So we should never do it. And porn is a sin. Porn is a sin. Torture porn. Here we go. First up on the list. Is the. Remake of the evil dead. Which Sam Raimi's. Evil, The Evil Dead is different than this one. This is the 2013 hour and 31 minute Evil Dead, which was marketed as the most terrifying film you will ever experience. It is a fantasy horror thriller, and uh, let me tell you, if you're into gore and blood, this is the movie for you to watch this Halloween. It is pretty wild. I would say it had to have broken the record for most blood ever used on the set of a movie. I swear to God. And it's not like, I mean, it's gory, right? But it's not like, it's not like those, it's not like Saw maliciously gory where like every scene someone's getting hacked in half type of thing. But, uh, Yeah. It's definitely gory. The scenes where there's gore, it's fucked up. And there's some cringy parts in the movie that even I'm like, oh, like I'm pretty good with gore. But there are definitely some parts in the movie where I'm like, ooh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. So the synopsis of the movie is five friends head to a remote cabin where they discover a book of the dead leads them to unwittingly summoning up demons living in the nearby woods. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a remake of the Evil Dead which was a little which was a great horror movie back when it came out but it was a little more like campy kind of goofy but also creepy. This one is more serious creepy, more gory. I enjoy it uh, I saw this movie on TV the other day it made me realize I need to talk about it So the cast is um Jane Levy. She plays the main uh woman character. I don't think you're going to know any of the other people um but there's also they're kind of like the same people like I said from the last movie Overlord. I don't some their names. I don't want to butcher them. Sorry guys. I'm not going to talk about them, but there's I feel like in this movie you see these people and you're like another one of those, "Oh, I've seen that person before" and other stuff, but I can't name what they're in. But I've seen them act before. That's how I feel. But you'll know Jane Levy when you see her. She's in other stuff. She's um, probably the better known actress in the movie. Anyways, great movie. Um, so Jane Levy's character is basically a drug addict. Um, and her brother and their friends decide to take her to a cabin to get her clean. Uh, and make sure that she doesn't relapse. And while they do this, she's freaking out. Um, Some dude uh, decides to read from a book that tells him not to read it, which is A-plus effort on his part. Uh, He decides to read shit, and it's like, don't open this book. Don't read this. And guess what he does? He reads it, and then all this supernatural demon shit starts happening. It's super freaky, it's super fucked up, it's super gory, it starts to attack Jane Levy's character, no one starts to believe her, they think she's just going through drug withdrawals, and then the movie takes off. Gory, freaky, fucked up. If you like torture porn or gore, this is your movie, this is what you want to watch. It is a 6.5 out of 10 stars. Guys, I have let you down. I told you we were gonna stay above the six and a half star rating for this movie. And here we are, close to the end, right at the home stretch. And I've let you down with a six and a half star movie out of ten on IMDB. What am I doing? I would personally give this probably like a six, seven or a six eight if I had to rate it. Um yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Thanks, Jenny. Um so, I don't know if you like gore, torture stuff, Evil Dead's perfect for you if you can stomach it. It's a it's a good one, definitely. And then we have Saw. So, Saw, which is directed by James Wan. Made in 2004, an hour and 43 minutes long, a horror mystery, the synopsis of the first Saw. This is the original. This is the best Saw, in my opinion. The original, best one made. Here we go. Two strangers awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there and soon discover their pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. Once again, directed by James Wan, this man kills horror movies. Go, James Wan, go. So, casting. We have uh, Danny Glover. We have uh, Tobin Bell. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Carrie Ellis Ewells? Whatever. Carrie Ewells. If you don't know the name, if I can't pronounce the name well enough for you guys to understand who he is, he's in The Princess Bride. Fun fact. Princess Bride and also I believe he's in Robin Hood Men in Tights, that's how I know him, but he's in this movie, um, and it's a, it's definitely gory, you know, it's like the, the first of all the Saw movies, so you got your traps going on, these people stuck in traps that don't want to play a game, that are forced to play a game, that definitely sounds like, It's like we're in quarantine and you're with your family and you just want to be left alone in your room and your parents come in. You want to play a game? No I don't want to play Monopoly for the fourth fucking straight day in a row. God damn it you guys all cheat. Okay anyways back to where we are. Great movie. Um, Massive twist at the end. Love twists. Made in 2004 so it's easy you can't the internet wasn't as big back then, so you can't just give away. But now you can look it up and you can probably figure it out. But it's so far away that it's not just going to be on Twitter for to ruin for you guys. Anyways, um, definitely, this is probably go under psychological horror too. Um, I would just say torture porn slash gore because of the traps and how gory it gets. I mean... You guys know Saw movies, even if you haven't seen them, you've heard of them. They get pretty fucked up. This was isn't over the top gore, which I feel like after the first two Saws, they just were beating a dead horse, really just trying to get people to come back and watch. They made ten of them. Like you don't make ten movies of a franchise unless you're Marvel and you have all these different characters that you can put into. Ten different saws. Come on now. I think they made, uh, eleven. One they have ten chapters of Saw, and then like, maybe ten. I might be wrong, but whatever. Close enough. It's, it's messed up. They it's ridiculous. You don't need to be. Hollywood doesn't need to be literally beating a dead horse out of torture porn gore movies. Like it's what are we doing here, people? What are we doing here? Saw one and two are good. Saw one is the best. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. You can get through the gore parts. You'll be fine. But it's a good like, mystery, psychological torture porn slash gore movie. I recommend watching it. Um, I'm sure you guys haven't watched it in a while. But it is the rating of 7.6 out of 10. So we are well above that 6.5 out of 10 stars mark. Like I said, you guys will enjoy the movie. It's great. It's a great story. How it wraps everything up at the end will leave you being like, holy shit, what did I just watch? It's definitely one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, god damn, how did I not see that coming? Yep. Uh, Definitely recommend it. Okay, guys, we are at the end. Last last subgenre i'm going to go over with you guys what have we been missing here we've gone through the supernatural we've gone through the psychological horror we've gone through the sci-fi we've gone through the monster we've gone through the zombie we've gone through the torture porn and the gore what what have we been missing what tell me we've gone through all the subgenres what is last and I could only save the best for last and so we have upon us the subgenre of horror that probably resonates with people the most because it's actually could be pretty real with uh what's going on here um it could be pretty real with what what can happen in real life that's why I kind of want to save it for last obviously yes if you believe in the supernatural supernatural things can happen Um, Yes, torture porn, that can happen, psychopaths, sociopaths, all that stuff, but the slasher genre is the last but not least, and here we have it. So, the movie that I have for you guys for this is none other than the famous John Carpenter special, Halloween. We're not talking about... Halloween 2 through whatever I know they just made a 2018 version of Halloween, which was good I will say I saw it in the theaters. It was great. I thought it was awesome, but nothing is better than the 1978 Halloween an hour and a half one hour and 31 minutes of horror thriller absolute creepy Psycho-psychotic killer. You know, Michael Myers, the man. So, the synopsis. 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois to kill again. This movie, let me tell you. I had to write, this is one of the movies I had to write a paper on um, in my class. And although it's from 1978, it's still a great movie. You guys will all know, if you don't, if you can't think of it now, if you look up on YouTube or whatever, you guys all know the theme music, that piano riff that's just freaky and it's just Michael Myers doing his thing, being a weirdo, killing people. 'Cause let's be real. I mean, I watched this movie last night because I knew I was gonna put it on this list. Um, I got home from going out to I got home from going out to dinner with my friends, and I came home, I turned on AMC to see what movie was on, what scary movie was on, and Halloween was on, but it was the last like ten minutes and I was like oh, I could watch this, but I'm gonna go back and watch the entire thing. So it was on video on demand on AMC And, um, I went back and watched it. Great movie. So good. It was one of the best of its time. Like 1978, I can't think of any real creepy, um, slasher movies before that. I'm sure there were some, but nothing to the massive degree of how Halloween completely changed horror movies. Uh, It's great, and you know what? It's fucking creepy, because it's not that far off of what could happen, even though it's made, what, almost 50 years ago, 40, what, 42, 40-something years ago, it's, uh, it's not that far off from something that can actually happen nowadays. Like this, a guy is like a serial killer psycho escapes from a mental institution and then stalks people and kills them in his hometown. It's not that far. And that's far away from reality. And that's why it's creepy. He, I mean, the whole movie, he's just always so fucking creepy and weird. And he's like a peeping toms staring into people's windows waiting to kill them all this shit anyways the cast let's go into it donald pleasant as dr loomis on imdb it's Jess loomis i had a friend in college his last name was loomis shout out loomis i was hoping maybe one day He would get his doctorate's degree so then I could be like Dr. Loomis and make a bunch of Halloween puns around him. But I don't know. I don't know if that will happen. Who knows what will happen. But shout out to my man Loomis. Great guy. Crazy motherfucker. Next we have Jamie Lee Curtis who is the main woman in the um, movie. She is basically, the movie is revolved around a group of babysitters on Halloween night who are stalked by Michael Myers, who then attempts to kill them. Um, I don't want to give away too much. I will say it's funny though, because there are some parts of this movie that obviously it's out outdated, uh, but it, it's it's great. The beginning of the movie when they show Michael Myers and him killing his sister uh obviously you don't know it's the first person video like he's like what six years old or whatever um yeah six years old or something like that and he's already like w- being creepy and weird and w- looking in the window while his like teenage sister is getting like dry hummed by her boyfriend and it's it's creepy like he's obviously a psycho uh and then he goes up and he murders the sister and the the weirdest part i have about the whole movie probably is the reaction of when how it starts and how it goes into like halloween whatever right he comes out little michael myers just killed his sister he walks outside And his parents are like, Michael, and they take off his mask. The kid is holding a bloody fucking kitchen knife in his hand, holding it up, looking like a blank stare, like he's a psycho, like he just murdered somebody. And the dad takes the mask off of him and he's like, Michael, what did you just do? And like he looks he looks more concerned. But if you watch it, the mom is just chilling there. She's got her hands in her coat pocket. Like, I don't know if, uh, John Carpenter was like, just stand there with your hands in your pocket and look like you're confused. But like, I feel like I need a little more reaction from a mom. If you walked up while your kid, if you walked up and your kid was holding a bloody knife and he had this blank ghost white stare on him, like he definitely just killed someone. Wouldn't you be like, Oh my God, what the fuck just happened? Why is my kid holding a bloody knife? What is going on? These parents are just kind of like, Hmm what's going on and then it's a long pan out and shout out the dad gave a little more of an effort to being like michael what's going on but the mom just kind of sits there with her hands in her coat pocket and just kind of stares at him i feel like moms nowadays would be like what the fuck why is my kid have a knife what is going on why is there blood all this stuff anyways that's the only part i have wrong with it uh Dr. Loomis or Donald Pleasant in this movie is great because he's always like, He's pure evil, he's the boogeyman, bah. He runs around. Um, the way the movie is made is perfect too, because there's a lot of stuff in the background of the movie that you need to watch. Cause like I swear to God, Michael Myers is in almost 70% of the movie in the background, but you just need to find him. It's like an Easter egg. Like they obviously don't make it so blatant but for a a good amount of the time he's stalking the babysitters throughout their day even before he starts to actually like get after them and kill them on halloween night but he stalks them like he's always in the back somewhere It's, it's literally like michael myers easter eggs in this movie and it makes it super freaky because he's literally just like a peeping tom stalker it's wild also shout out william shatner because the mask that he wears is a william shatner mask it is supposed to be a halloween william shatner mask and if you guys don't know who that is he was captain kirk on star trek for a very long time um so anyways i had to write a paper on this movie it was awesome um i'm gonna say if you want to watch the movie if you don't know what's going on with it watch the movie um i'm gonna do a little bit of spoiler alert right now kind of to the whole film and of how it goes down so if you don't want to hear how it goes down and ruin the movie for you big spoiler alert coming up just skip to the last minute of the podcast because this is going to be the closing statements after this and um i'll see you guys next week but so the paper that i wrote for this um broke down the movie and how it was made and we had to pick whether it was the movie was more um misogynistic or whether it was a feminist movie saying that it was either about michael myers killing off these girls and it was more of his story or if it was the story of women and how they were able to overcome the basically the slasher and so what i learned while writing this paper is that michael myers comes back to kill again and this all stems from the first night in halloween when he watched his sister have basically sex with um, her boyfriend at the time. And because he was so young, he was jealous and started to resent her at that moment for even though he was weird because he watched her. Whatever. It's his fault, dude. Like you shouldn't be watching your older sister get down with some dude on Halloween night. But he did. And that made him kind of tweak out as a kid. He didn't know what was going on and he resented her. So then he went up and killed her. And because of that. When he comes back 15 years later, throughout the movie, he is almost basically targeting people who are exactly like his sister at that moment on that night. So Lori Strode, um, I don't know what the other characters' names are, even though I just watched it last night. Here we go. I'll just look it up for you guys. So Lori, Annie, and um, Linda are basically like the three girls that hang out and get stalked by michael myers and michael comes back to kill these girls because they basically fit the same description as his sister and throughout the movie laurie the main babysitter is kind of less eager to i guess hook up with somebody and their friends are trying to get her to go out and meet this guy and She doesn't want to. She's like, I'm just going to babysit. Like, This is just my job. It's whatever. And she's a little more like... She's less promiscuous. Um, But Annie and uh, Linda both decide that they want to meet up with their guys on Halloween night and get frisky. And what does that do? That obviously entices... Mike to kill you and so he goes through and they end up getting picked off in the movie by Mike Myers and the last one standing is Lori because she did not give herself up she did not decide to um, be promiscuous and she was able to fight back through that I guess is what I kind of learned from it is the breakdown of the movie and how because she wasn't distracted by um, sex in the movie, she was able to be more aware of what was going on while the other people were like, oh, I'm making out. And then Mike Myers comes up and kills them. So it was interesting. I really enjoy this movie it's perfect for halloween i mean it is halloween let's be real it's called halloween and guess what we have a 7.8 out of 10 stars well above the line well above the six and a half line perfect um yeah i mean michael myers is so freaky and she tries to kill him so many times like it's, it's wild. One of the freakiest scenes is obviously, like, he's just so creepy. The way he walks, he just has, like, no emotion. He's literally just a sociopath, psychopath killer who has no emotions and just kills. And the mask and the filming, the cinematography of John Carpenter, the writing of John Carpenter, the scoring of the film with the creepy music, perfect perfect all the elements of this movie get together they're amazing i love it probably one of the best halloween movies ever created if not the best halloween movie ever created and that's it there you go that's our list of horror movies that we have for 2020 for you guys to check out during spooky season i hope you guys enjoyed it um this has been fun. I mean, like I said, this is, this is just Chase alone doing my thing. And uh, hopefully in the next week or two, we can get back to our normal schedule of having guests on. And then we can just get back to the normal. But you know what? Maybe we'll throw in if we get good reviews on how this went. We we'll, might throw in a couple of solo episodes of me doing this. But we'll see how it goes. Um like I said, we're working on creating a list for, better, for more content and better content in the upcoming future for you guys. So sit back, hold strong, um, and hopefully we'll get some uh, guests worked out for the near future for you guys. So until then, stay safe out there. You guys know what to do. Go to Cut to the Chase podcast on Instagram for more information and content on the show. And if you guys really enjoy the show, leave a review on Apple Music. It would mean a lot to us. What it does basically is it helps us get to the top of the Apple Music chain for our name of the podcast. So when people look it up or say you wanted to look up and you just typed in Cut to the Chase, we will be there at the top. It will help us gain some publicity on Apple Music. Um, I believe you can do some sort of rating on If you like it or rate it on Spotify, that'll help too. Uh, Honestly, and up to this point, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm glad you guys enjoy the show. I've gotten some feedback from uh, different listeners, and they say it's great. They love the flow of the show. Um, They say it's like perfect timing, and it's just easy to listen to. So if you're out there, I hope that you guys feel the same way. Um, And other than that, like I said, We will see you in a little bit. Take care, guys. Um, We'll be back as soon as we can with more guests. And like I said, stay safe out there and enjoy spooky season.